Welcome to the very first episode of Cashflow Conversations. I'm so glad that you all could join me. This podcast is going to be kicking off the 2020 year, and what better way to do it than to address some of the best practices for entrepreneurs and freelancers that are just starting out. This won't only be good for those who are just starting out, but maybe if you've started and you've had some roadblocks, uh, this is a great way to just double check some, some of your homework. Um, just to make sure that you're setting a solid foundation for your business for the future. So let's get started with tip number one. Tip number one is to make sure that you have done market research. This is beyond people saying that they want your product and it goes into people actually wanting to buy your product and for the price that you want to sell it for or a service product or service. So this is this is more people feeling like they need your product or your service because it makes their life easier um, or it solves a problem that is in the market. Most of the most of the successful businesses that are out and that are thriving um, have had have have solved some sort of problem or filled a gap that was in the marketplace. So take for example a company like Walmart. So whether we like the business practices of Walmart or not, at some point we've all had to shop there and they have filled the need of convenience and price. The convenience need was met because there's a variety of products and services all in one place. You don't have to go to a meat market to get meat. You don't have to go to a farmer's market to get produce. You don't have to go to a baker to get uh, your, your, your bread and your pastries. And now everything's all in one place and they'll even sell you stamps and give you an oil change while you're there. Um, so that, that is the convenience part of, of Walmart. And as technology is evolving, you also have the online aspect of Walmart where you can order something, it's sold from another company, but you buy it through Walmart. So it gives exposure to other businesses, but you're also buying it through Walmart. So it's still kind of centralizing your your shopping needs um and then you also have things like grocery pickup and you know your free shipping and whatever everything is designed for it to be convenient for the end consumer then of course you have the price aspect everyone knows uh historically walmart started out as having great service and keeping prices low and selling in, in selling mass, you know, mass quantities of, of items. Selling in volume allowed them to be able to negotiate with their vendors and keep those prices low to continue to help them to, uh, to be profitable. So they cater towards the people who like the convenience and those who are price sensitive. A more recent example, and in my opinion, slept on example, is Fashion Nova. So not only is Fashion Nova convenient because they mainly sell online, but they're also catering towards catering to that price conscious demographic. Um, selling online has been able to keep the prices lower than if they were selling in a store because it cuts out a lot of the overhead, but also convenient because again, shopping online. Um, it caters to the fashion forward and urban demographic and they create brand awareness literally 
right where their target demographic is, which is social media. So I'm not sure how much it costs for a social media influencer, which is majority of how they do their marketing through social media influencers. Um, I don't know how much they charge, but it would obviously just depend on the particular influencer that they use. And what I do know is, one, the contract can always be negotiated, so that can help them manage their costs. And two, there's less noise that they have to break through to get to their consumer uh, if they were using like social media ads or traditional forms of marketing, because the influencers already have an audience. They already have hundreds of thousands of followers who are willing to follow their every move. They want to look how they look. They want to eat what they eat. They, like they're influenced by these particular people. So obviously they can influence their fashion and purchasing wants and needs. Tip number two, embrace technology. Technology is only evolving. It is not going away. It is not going to devolve. Uh, the perfect example is mobile phones. We had two ways. We had pagers. And now we have devices and, and uh, search engines that hold massive quantities of data about our, uh, about our personal life, um, from our shopping habits to inquiries, our social media, and even our credit card information. And it's only going to continue to evolve, possibly become more uh, invasive. Uh, that could be good or bad. Um, and it's going to constantly try to become more convenient for the end user, whether it's a, a person or a business. So in order to stay relevant in your industry, in order to be an industry leader, you don't necessarily have to be on the cutting edge of technology, but you do have to see how your consumers, your target demographic is responding to technology. So if, so if your target demographic is not on social media, maybe your target demographic is senior citizens, then you're probably not going to want to search on social media for any for, for senior citizens. But if your target demographic is Gen Z, you most definitely want to be on the latest and greatest social media platform that Gen Z users are, are on. And not only that they're on, but also that they're buying from. So even if they're just on it, maybe it brings you brand awareness, but if they're buying on it, then that also gives you a potential conversion. All right, so tip number three, separate your business and personal expenses. I say this so many times. Um, this isn't to beat the dead horse. This is a reminder for those who haven't done it, and this is for those who haven't started a business or a freelance company or an agency, this is for you to get ahead of the curve. Um, keeping them separate, the easiest way to do it is to have either separate bank accounts, uh, well, not even either separate bank accounts, have separate bank accounts, um, and do not use the same bank that you use for your personal expenses. Same thing with uh, credit cards. So if you have a credit card company, if you have a business credit card or are looking to get a business card, business credit card, do not use the same bank that you use for your personal life. It becomes too easy to transfer money and pay this off with this. And, and the next thing you know, you're borrowing money from 
this account and you're using your business credit card for personal expense because you have a higher limit, it just makes it very messy. So the, the cleaner it can be, the better it is. And also when you're looking at your metrics such as, uh, such as cash flow, working capital, um, profitability, um, anything, anything along those lines specifically dealing with cash, um, it becomes very clear how well your business is managing it. Um, and then also things that you can do to improve those particular metrics. That leads me to tip number four, which is set up accounting books. You can use QuickBooks if you have a variety of lines of business, um, which means that you, you offer several different things. So it could be services, it could be products, maybe you have some investing projects on the side, and it allows you to capture those uh, particular lines of business and evaluate the profitability um, and just all the different metrics of each one of those. Um, if you are purely like coaching, consulting, or there's some sort of, or you do some sort of like service, um, or if you work with like billable hours, FreshBooks is a great option. But either way, even if you choose none of those, you should definitely have some sort of accounting system that helps you understand the seasonality of your business, the profitability of it. Um, and then you're also able to compare metrics to competitors uh, and even to industry standards. Money is in the metrics, so accounting books help you to see um, and analyze those, those metrics. All right, so tip number five is create an online presence. This kind of caters to tip number two, the two are, the two are closely related. Um, which, it, which was embrace technology. So in order to survive, um, in order for your business to survive, you have to have an online presence because again, people like convenience. When you make somebody's life easier, uh, they are more likely to do business with you. Again, people are not going to go from town to town, city to city, looking to find a company that does what you do. They will likely only do that if they're looking specifically for your business. But if they're just trying to find someone who is an attorney, they're not going to just go up and down the street and look for all the attorney signs. They're going to go online. They're going to look for attorneys in their area. They're going to look at reviews. They're going to look at your products. They're going to look at your services. Uh, they're going to even look at if if you're an owner and you are very visible, they're also going to look into you. So having an online presence that represents your brand and represents your business and what your business is set out to do can only help you moving forward. Uh, tip number six is to create an account specifically for taxes. You should be allocating a certain percentage of all of your gross sales specifically to prepare you uh, for tax time. So the taxes that you should that you should focus on, the main ones that you should focus on are gonna be federal income tax, uh, self-employment tax, and state taxes if they're applicable to your state. And again, the best way to do this is have a separate bank account and you transfer as soon as you get whatever funds you get, maybe two, three times a month you want to 
transfer um, a certain percentage, and that percentage is up to you depending on your tax situation. You want to allocate a certain percentage and transfer that cash to that specific tax account so that way when tax season comes, if you end up owing, you have cash that is already set aside for you to pay and you don't have to stress about how you're going to get the money. You don't have to try to increase sales and all this other kind of stuff to try to get the money to pay the IRS. Now, if you end up over allocating, so let's just say you have $10,000 in that tax account at the end of the year, but you only owed $1,000. That's great. You don't have to stress about it, but that's also a cue that means that you need to set up tax strategy so that way you either owe nothing at the end of the year or you owe at least less than $1,000. All right. And the last tip is to seek a, uh, seek a community of entrepreneurs completely separate from your friends, your your neighborhood friends, your high school friends, college friends, um, co-workers. Um, if, if they're not an entrepreneur or a freelancer or don't have a side hustle or have any other means outside of just being an employee, they won't understand your struggle. And that's not to say that, uh, that you cannot be around these people. You can't go out with them from time to time. But you are going to have a very specific struggle that uh, only people who seek other means of income will truly understand and be able to help guide you through. So they, they won't really understand like why you have to be very intentional with your time or why you have to set aside time for, you know, family and friends and, you know, hanging out and, and all the all the hobbies or whatever that you used to have. Um, having a business can be overwhelming. It is it is hard. It can be isolating. And truly, no one else understands that besides um, other entrepreneurs. Um, your, your mindset just has to be completely different from how it was when, when you were an employee. So most people literally won't understand unless, they are, um, unless they're in the trenches with you and they're going through what, you, what you're currently going through. Um, or maybe they have gone through what you're going through and... And, you know, they're able to guide you, support you, and uplift you um, through your freelancer or entrepreneurship journey. And the, the, one of the best things about seeking out that particular community is you may even be able to find, uh, find a mentor out of the process. And honestly, you will also create some of the most solid, solid friendships that uh, that you could ever, that you could ever create. Um, so, so with that being said, um, these are the cash flow conversation, best practices for 2020, uh, for the budding entrepreneur or even the novice entrepreneur or freelancer to help you create a solid foundation to kick off your 2020. I wish you all the best. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to start. And I will see you in the next episode.